0: The
1: show! You have all
0: made it
1: through the damn You have all made it, made it made. Coming to you from the X Access, it's John of All Trades with your host, John X. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the John of All Trades Podcast, episode 108. I'm your host, John X. Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. And after a two-week hiatus, you got to come back strong. We missed last week, but, you know, that's kind of been the pattern here. I'm doing three shows a month, and it's much more manageable. I hope you're enjoying it. I hope you're not missing that week. But on the social media, I would like to link to old shows. So give you a glimpse into the archive because we have a lot of good stuff buried in the archive. It's back there. You just got to check it out. So on the off weeks, i like to point you to an old episode. So if you want to check out the archives on your own, it is johnofalltrades.us, J-O-N of all trades.us. Under the tab, there's a bunch of tabs at the top and podcast episodes, all 112, I think that I've done, I think, yeah, four solo episodes and 108 numbered episodes. God, that's a lot of content over the last two and a half years. And go there and check it out. We got a lot of different stuff. So uh, on the off weeks, I'll link to something cool from the archives. It's usually something pertinent that's going on now that, you know, may reemerge. But that's what happens on the off weeks. So this week, it's almost like a two for one. Episode 108, you get insight into two different and very different from each other careers. And my guest is DJ Aaron Stereo. Now, Aaron, I got hooked up with through Bree Davies. Brie Davies, you may remember, episode 93. She's a journalist for The Westward, and she's always hooked up with cool people around town. So I actually reached out to her and I said, Hey, can you help me get hooked up with with some cool people, some people doing some important, interesting, or otherwise noteworthy work? And one of the people she sent me was DJ Aaron Stereo. So why is this a twofer? Well, first, obviously, she's a DJ. She's a turntablist. She has a gig on KGNU. So she's a radio DJ as well as like a more traditional turntable-style DJ. She does house. She does hip-hop. She does all sorts of cool stuff. She has a ton of stuff linked on her webpage, so go check her out. And I encourage you to check out her videos. We talk about it in the back half of this episode, but watch her hands at work. I mean, she is prolific. She is fun to watch. It's almost like watching a Benihana chef, you know? You get great music, and you get to watch someone apply their trade in a really interesting way. But in the first half of this episode... You get some really interesting stories about her time as a 911 dispatcher. That's right. She is the person who answers the phone, depending on what part of town you're in, obviously, when you have an emergency. And so she's taking the calls, and at times she was also dispatching teams to the scene. And we talk about that a little bit. We talk about what that career is like, the type of phone side manner that you have to cultivate. The confluence of odd skills that all come together to help make you a successful 911 operator. She won awards for doing 911 dispatch, which apparently you can win awards for everything. I mean, that's true of any profession, but she was so good at it. She won awards and she walked away from it. She made the leap and now she's doing her DJ gig and she's really, really good at it too. But that's like the two parts of this episode. So you get the 911 dispatch side. And then you get the DJ music side. We also talk about feminism without really calling it that. But it's a real sort of feminism-centered discussion because she's in a male-dominated industry in the DJ world, in the music world. And how do you kick down those doors? You know, how do you make a name for yourself? How do you take the the hashtag that's worked really well for her, female DJ, and maybe co-opt it and turn it into something else? So this episode is just jam-packed and... I'm enormously happy Erin took some time. It was her first podcast. She's a big podcast fan, and I got to be her first interview, at least in the podcast format. So that was very exciting, very rewarding. Check out the blog because you can check out her on Mixcloud, SoundCloud, and YouTube. I have links to all those on johnofalltrades.us. And as a podcast fan myself, I'd like to point you to another podcast. Sometimes you hear this at the beginning of the episode. We're going to play it now. Check out Changing Denver. Here's Paul Caroli to tell you a little bit more about it. Hi, my name is Paul Caroli, and I host a podcast called Changing Denver. It's a monthly show about our city's physical spaces, how we make them, and how they make us. But it's so much more than that. It's the conversations, ideas, and stories that define Denver's perpetual state of flux. Find more from our team at changingdenver.com and join the conversation on Twitter at Changing Denver. Denver's changing. We can help great show. Paul's a great guy. You're going to love his show. If you love Denver, and if you love sort of the physical spaces of Denver, this is an exceptional show. So happy to plug him. Listen to Paul Caroli. Listen to Changing Denver. And now listen to this week's episode. It's episode 108 with DJ Aaron Stereo, and her episode begins right now.
0: Sometimes I listen to this podcast, my favorite murder, and they ha- there's like a <laughs> bong sound that happens every so on. Like okay. it sounds literally like a gong, right? And um, yeah, they uh, had to explain that finally because everybody's like, "What's the gong sound?" It's like, oh, it's just that's just us bumping into our equipment. <laughs> yeah. Did so you say
1: my favorite murder? My
0: favorite murder. It's actually gaining popularity really fast. Really, but it's two comics, but they discuss true crime. Oh wow. Um and and like. They're just really funny girls, and they have this joke like, if you're here for facts, this is not the place for you. (laughs) This is a comedy podcast. We're not about, like, super precise facts. We're not going to be solving these crimes. (laughs) They say that on there, but they're just two really funny like vulnerable hosts and yeah my favorite murder <laughs> that sounds awesome I'm a podcast fanatic actually so you told me that fun for me i love podcasts how many
1: have you done a bunch of podcasts no
0: i haven't i've always had an idea in my mind of what i might like to do if i had a podcast right and um but i have i don't think i've ever done a podcast actually
1: you've never been interviewed on a podcast
0: No, I mean, I've done terrestrial radio. um, Sure, yeah. But, you know, um, because I'm, you know, I do KGNU and all that stuff, but I've never done a podcast.
1: Fantastic. Well, I'm glad to be the first then. Thank you. Yeah. It's funny. And that's very timely because talking about terrestrial radio, because my episode two weeks ago was with Scoop, who's on the KBPI morning show.
0: Oh. Cool. And
1: he, yeah, and he's done radio for like sixteen years now.
0: Wow, it's a it's an ever changing thing, especially right, right now. Yeah, but yeah.
1: So, h- how often are you on the radio?
0: Um, every first Friday, nice uh, at, at at least. Um, yeah, every first Friday from noon until three, and I'm in the middle of this self imposed project where I'm going. Um, without playing the same song for a whole year wow yeah and i just decided to do that um, I like on it. my own and then i think at the end i'll have a recap with pulling back some of my favorite songs and they're not all new songs some old some new but i just decided none of the same stuff none of the same songs for a year at least and then i might do it again i don't wow. know i might try to go for another year has it been working out yeah. One of the things that's so great about KGNU is all the DJs on there fill out their playlists as they go. Yep. And so you can always, always, always go back and look at the playlists and listen to an MP3 recording of all the shows that happen nice. on that station. So I have printed out all my playlists and <laughs> I am meticulous about this. I'll bet. i bet. And I'll be like, okay... I played last month, yeah, yeah, yeahs. This song, this month I'm going to play yeah, yeah, yeahs again, but it's going to be this song, you know. <laughs> so, and in like in my mind I'm like, what song did I play 2 yeah. months ago, 3 months ago? So, I mean, it's it's like my I have to keep pretty serious track of yep. it, but I just don't see why. I mean, I don't see any reason why not. I hope I haven't screwed up anywhere along the way. Cause uh, I'd be so mad. I, um. I
1: hate that, you know, it, <laughs> because I'm very like, let, let's call it anal about that. Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I made, when I was in college, I made punk mixes and I made discs for my friends and for myself. And I had one through 10 and I'm like, I don't want to repeat songs. You know, I, if it's on a mix and I want to hear that song, I'll listen to that mix. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I, I know that based on a little bit of reading I've done about you, you've been making mixtapes your whole life too. That's very true. So you can relate to that impulse. Absolutely. And I went back and listened and, you know, it's college so I was drinking a lot and I go, <laughs> how is this song on three mixes? What did I do? Like these are only 20 songs long. Come on.
0: <laughs> like I actually tried, man. <laughs>
1: Not hard enough, apparently. But I mean this was before like MP threes and iTunes and all that. So now yep. it's much easier to sort of keep track of that. Very
0: true, yeah. Which exactly. is nice.
1: But sitting here with DJ Aaron Stereo hey. and uh it's so great that uh that we were able to connect and I just like to first, before we even get going, give a shout out to Brie Davies yeah. for connecting us because I reached out to her, she was episode ninety three and I said, hey, I'm looking to expand my guest roster. Who can you recommend? Because she's so well connected throughout Denver. Yeah. And you were on that list, so I just shot you an email, and you were up for it. So I'm that's really great. I'm really
0: glad it worked out. Yeah, she um, connects me with all kinds of amazing people and opportunities and stuff like that. She's a little, one of my one of my biggest advocates, actually. Really? Yeah, she really is. She's always had nice. You know, I mean, she reached out to me to write that article about me in the Westword. I read that she, article. Yeah, I mean, she just she like I said is one of my biggest advocates. She's always doing something for me that I don't even usually that I don't even find out about until later. <laughs> well, I mean,
1: she's always pointing people towards cool stuff in Denver and yeah. worthwhile stuff and valid stuff and stuff. I don't even always necessarily agree with her, but I value that too.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, that's important. You know, awareness. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Okay, let's start with that article because one of the things as as she sent me, you know, info about you and how to get in touch with you and stuff. She linked to the article that she wrote about you. Yeah. And it mentioned, let's just talk about this at the top, that you were a former 911 operator.
0: That's very true. Yeah, I was for four years. For
1: four years? Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious. I want to dig into that a little bit. Please. Because what is that like?
0: Well, it was conservative. Okay. A, A lot of people just instantly say, that must be so stressful. That must have been the most stressful job. And it was stressful, but maybe not for the reasons that people... Instantly think, right? Because it is stressful in that you're dealing with everybody's worst day every day of your life. (laughs) You know, I mean, every time somebody dials 911, it's a shit show. Basically, it's never good. Yeah, it's, it's never, never the good. It's,
1: it's never the light call, you know, it's never like It never is. It's like I burned the muffins, you it, know, so <laughs> help
0: me. And I mean and I would take non-emergency calls as well, and so it's everything from my neighbor pissed me off okay. to something like the most serious thing that you can imagine and, you know, but also just a really conservative environment. I mean, no and and the hours too. I mean 10 I worked from 8 p.m. until 6 a.m.
1: Yikes. Okay. And from
0: 2 a.m. until 6 a.m. by myself. Yeah. Meaning that I'm answering all of the phone calls and dispatching all of the police from 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. by myself. Wow. Yeah, and you I think I heard on that Bree Davies episode that you grew up in Applewood yeah. area, so I worked that was a portion of my jurisdiction there. No kidding. Not to bust out a, a police <laughs> station or anything, but it's, it's well known. Yeah. In fact, um, I got, a. Some of my tapes um, for an emergency that I handled were released on the news and it kind of came to light. Like, why is the girl who answered the phone also the girl who's talking to the police officer? And it raised questions about that because, yeah, I mean, so from two till six in the morning, every phone call that comes in, you're responsible for. Yeah. And you're also responsible for dispatching the police to that emergency. Wow. Yeah. So.
1: And I mean, that's that's got to be high times for sort of the stranger level of emergency as well, right? Because, I mean, nothing good happens at that time of day.
0: I mean, particularly in this jurisdiction, because there was a hospital Mm -hmm. that included a mental health wing. Mm. There's a truck stop. There's a number of shady highway motels. Uh, Detox for the entire county is located in this little tiny jurisdiction, all of those things. And so, I mean, yeah, I mean, when stuff starts to go down... (laughs) <laughs> you know it could be coming from any one of those places yeah you know anyone in denver who's ever driven on i-70 sees these motels you know sure yeah and you just and, and they're all there's like seven of them yeah, right and, in there and, and I mean,
1: that giant truck stop that's right the there. the truck
0: stop and yeah and i mean i know the addresses to those motels by heart <laughs> i'll bet you do <laughs> um, which is not a cool thing that's not a thing that <laughs> that's um, not
1: that's not a cocktail that's party not starter a
0: thing. i'm like hey guys <laughs> i mean and if i brought it up who's gonna fact? check me right yeah (laughs) you know (laughs) but yeah so I mean so it was a pretty busy little city and um but the thing about dispatching is is that it's hard to keep people in that position because let me rephrase that it's hard to get people into that position Mm. people who do it oftentimes stay there for a really long time like I probably wouldn't have hardly moved up in seniority at all by now if I was still there
1: and you left how long ago um
0: I think I've been gone for about four years now.
1: Wow. What keeps people there?
0: The money. It's excellent money. Is it really? Oh, yeah. Four days a week, um, 10-hour days. So you have three-day weekends. Yeah. I mean, benefits that you cannot beat, basically. Sure, yeah. Um, Just all of those I am... An adult, I want this adult job and these adult things that I'm supposed to have, you know, like.
1: It checks a bunch of the boxes in terms of like what, what you look for in terms of stability and, you know, a lot of the sort of. Milieu you of adulthood is what you're describing. Today.
0: Yeah. And um, prestige is something actually that I had a hard time giving up when I did finally leave that job because everybody instantly looks at you like you're a total either hero or badass hmm. or nobody doesn't like dispatchers. Lots of people dislike police, but <laughs> right. it's rare that someone's like, uh, police dispatchers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Usually, you know, yeah. not no one, I'm sure, but you know, you don't get it as hard. As much as the police do, you know, people don't hate you in that same way. But um, well, and
1: the other thing is, I mean, you are the tip of the spear in terms of saving people's lives, you know, and definitely one of the things that's most striking to me is I do communications training for people. And when you speak to someone who needs really sophisticated communication skills that you don't think of, one of them is doctors. Mm. because doctors have to have such bedside manner in dealing with trauma of all levels, just like you're describing. How long did it take you to cultivate that sort of, call it bedside manner, that phone side manner as a dispatcher?
0: I think that I was a little bit of a natural when it came to that. And this also comes in handy with my DJing, but I'm actually pretty sensitive to mood um, and people's moods and um fluctuations in their voices and all this stuff. And okay. um, I, well, I did suicide hotline for a little while in college and I have a psych degree. And so wow. I was developing this um for a while before I became a dispatcher. Um, And also the training program that they give you is pretty rigorous. And what actually, sure. what I was going to say before is that like people can't make it through the training. I think mm. less than half of the people who get hired, which it's like, if you have a pool of a hundred people, and then, you know, 75 of those people aren't even qualified, <laughs> Twenty, one of, you know, 25 of those people can't, you know, meet. I mean, in order to get that job, I had to take a typing test, a hearing test, a lie detector test, two personality tests. I had to do an interview. I had to do an, uh, or I should say I had to do an oral board wow. with like multiple people. I had to have a, have a meeting with the chief. I mean, these are all the steps I applied, um, in October and mm-hmm. started in March.
1: Wow. So like five months of vetting?
0: Yeah. And I didn't have a job. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I, I, I was fresh out of college. So, I mean, I was getting anxious. Sure. Yeah. Um, And then you do 16 weeks of training once you're on the job. And less than half of the people who start the training, I mean, out of this huge pool of people who are even qualified. Right. I mean, and then you start the job and then you start the training and half of those people don't make it. So it's like pretty difficult to get someone in one of those positions, which sure. again ties back to what I was saying before about how I was the only dispatcher on duty. Yeah, okay. So it's this big thing of like, well, we don't want to hire people who aren't qualified to do the job, but we also don't want our qualified people to get overworked. And it's like sure. a difficult situation to be in.
1: Yeah. I I'm curious hearing, hearing you go through all that, that both makes me feel very very good yeah. about if I ever need to call 911 yeah. right i mean yeah. that there's there's a high degree of vetting there uh it also makes me fearful in a, in a way because it's like it sounds like a very uh emotionally demanding job to put it another way or i guess to phrase it in terms of a question Based on what you just described to me, it sounds like you have a high degree of empathy in terms of understanding other people and being attuned to their mood. So I guess my question is, when you're dealing with all this trauma, was it hard not to take it with you?
0: Yeah. Um, you know, I got a little better as time went on, but I remember the very first time I took a call. Um, It's funny because it was the mundane things that really got to me, like, you know, husbands finding their wife had passed away. Right. Nothing weird, nothing bizarre, just mundane.
1: Like elderly folks? Heartache. like That kind of thing? Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah sure. And I mean, it's not like a murder, you know what I mean? But it's like... Right, it doesn't have a high
1: degree of glamour <gasps> or intrigue. It's mm-hmm. just... Like, shit, this old lady just fucking died.
0: And this dude is, like, calling, and he sounds calm as hell right now, but he's he's not okay. Yeah, he's, he's
1: or he's not going to be okay. Yeah. Like, at some point.
0: So I remember I was, like, pretty fresh in training the first time that that happened, and I had to, like, hold back the tears so bad. And I questioned myself that night. Yeah. Like, can I do this? This is awful. And then um, I kept going through training, and, you know, a bunch of mundane stuff happens. I'm pissed off at my neighbor. This guy's weeds are too tall. (laughs) Oh, we got in an accident, but nobody's hurt. I mean, the thing that's funny that no one really realizes about dispatching is sometimes it's boring. Sometimes you're sitting there doing nothing, and you have to go from doing nothing to handling an emergency in a split second. Oh,
1: the swings. Yeah. The
0: swing. Yeah. You have to be... Um, that's part of the reason why they give you these personality tests. It's like one of the questions on the personality test. It's not phrased this obviously, but what it's trying to get at is, do you mind being interrupted? <laughs> and I, and if, and they ask it multiple times. And because you know, I understand how the personality tests work too, <laughs> which <laughs> I right. probably used to my advantage then. But it's like they ask the same question in multiple ways throughout the test, of course, to you know determine consistency and all these different things. And I could recognize that in there. I'm like, they're trying to see, do I mind being interrupted? Do I mind changing tasks abruptly? Right. You know, things like that. Sure. So yeah, it, uh, what was I going to say? It's just kind of like this whole series of like, I mean, w- even w- when I did the typing test, it's like, they're like type as much. I, mean, I can type like 70 words a minute. And right. so when I did the typing test, I'm like next to all these people who are just like trying to type keywords and then answer questions pack. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, Oh, um, it's like, okay, we're going to, you're going to hear a message and then you're going to type the keywords and then you answer a bunch of questions afterwards. And, but I could type so fast that I was like just typing what I was hearing (laughs) and then answering all the questions perfectly. You were like doing dictation. So I had, yeah. Yeah. So I had like a weird, um, little predisposed, skill set, but also this whole empathy thing, you know, right. I was kind of, I was kind of, I thought at first made for it. Okay. Yeah.
1: So what, okay. I mean, understanding that it's weird with any job, it takes a bizarre sort of confluence of seemingly unrelated skills to make someone successful in any given role. Yeah. Yeah, and, yeah, that's true. and that's exactly what you're describing. Given that, and given that, that you were good at it and you won awards at it, apparently um, for, based on Bree's article. What finally compelled you to leave?
0: I was really low on the totem pole, and um, I was just kind of looking around. I didn't have much option at available shifts or days off, and I was just sort of looking around. Well, I kind of wanted to be... I wasn't sure at first that I was going to become a DJ, but I just... I was looking around at all the people I was working with. They didn't seem particularly happy. They didn't seem particularly healthy, Mm -hmm. and they didn't seem to have very many hobbies.
1: Well, I mean, what kind of office were you in? You know, I'm
0: Yeah, um just a small little room and me right. on one side and then my dispatcher or call taker on the other side and within a police department.
1: Yeah, okay. Which is not exactly the cheeriest environment. No, right? it's not. It's I'm... dark. Yeah, I mean the the mood of the room. If you're in a place like that, I I had a friend who worked at a job for like a week and a half. And he said, I couldn't stand the environment. It was giving me panic attacks. I (laughs) get that. Yeah. That makes perfect sense to me.
0: I totally get it. And I was working from eight o'clock at night until six in the morning. So sometimes I'd go home and sleep and I would not, I would never see the sun. Uh,
1: Yeah. Especially in the winter. Oh my God. Uh
0: You know, so it just didn't work. It just didn't work. And then there was lots of other, I just kind of felt like I was missing out on life a little bit. Like there's all these events that were passing by or opportunities that I was being offered that I couldn't accept Right. or, um, you know, to do performance related things or music related things, just things that felt really important to me important enough to give up a a job like that over it. And I mean, it did also have to do with the stress and all of these other things that people assume. But but that goes without saying almost. Yeah, I got tired of, you know, taking 911 calls after a while. Sure. (laughs) You know, but I
1: mean, it's like anything else. There's that old cliche that's, you know, the straw that broke the camel's back. It's like, well, it's not the straw. Like, there, it's just one more thing that is also on top of all that other weight. Yeah. And, I mean, what you're describing to me is all the stuff that's on top of the camel already. And, you know, eventually you get to the point where you're like, okay, this just isn't worth it anymore. Was it hard to give up that security, though?
0: Yeah, it was. And there's no way around it. Sure. It absolutely was. A lot of people told me that I would regret it. <laughs> I, they really did.
1: People always say that to you, though. Yes, they do. I mean, I left my corporate gig, and people are like, "Oh, well, you're you're gonna miss things about this." And I'm like, "Maybe so, but who gives a shit?"
0: Or the other thing that you get is that, "Well, must be nice," <laughs> you know. Right. Like the little backhanded. It was difficult for me to give up the secure the security and I was um I had a really good retirement plan yeah. and I cashed it the fuck out. Did you really? And I quit that job. Yeah, I did and took it and lived off that money for a while until I figured out what I was going to do because I didn't really have a solid plan. In fact, <laughs> I had just bought a house. <laughs> wow. Bold move. You remodeled Aaron. it. But uh, this was in 2011 in Denver when I was able to afford a home.
1: Oh, sure. Yeah.
0: So a whole, a whole different city back then. Yeah.
1: Much different environment. And
0: and I had researched it for a year on some of those overnight shifts, you know, when yeah. nothing's going on. I'm just like researching government programs, researching properties, all this stuff. So I got a good deal on my house and I felt comfortable and I felt like no matter what happened, like it was affordable and I just felt like I have this affordable place to live. I'm Always going to be able to make this much money no matter what I just right. I was confident in myself but um, that retirement fund helped me a little bit in the in the um, sort of in-between time. And again, the prestige, like I mentioned before, it's like, I was like thinking, oh, maybe I'll go like be a waitress or something because, (laughs) um, because I liked the tipped industry because I was always really good at it. And I liked the idea of being able to have some control over how much money I was making. Yeah, And I'm kind of out of that industry now too, in the form of serving and bartending. But at the time it sounded good to me, you know, to say, well, maybe if I go Bust my ass as a cocktail waitress, I'll make, I'll be able to make good money instead of sitting here making as much as this dipshit <laughs> right. who I'm supposed to be saving people's lives with. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, this horse's ass and is making time, and marking we're make, time. Exactly. We're making the exact same amount. So in, even though it seemed like a huge step down, in a way, it sounded appealing to me yeah, to go to it. work, work my ass off, come home with more money than somebody who decided they didn't feel like working their ass off. Yeah. But it was really hard for me to be like, oh, I, uh, I was a 911 operator and, uh, now I'm working down at the old, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. So, I mean, I had to really be confident in my path. Sure. Because it, it even from the outside, sometimes I was looking at it going, this seems <laughs> like a step backwards, but well, in like, my yeah. mind, it didn't feel that way.
1: When you float out of yourself, you know, you go, what the fuck are you doing down there? <laughs> What are you doing to us? And you're like, just be confident. And I mean, what you're describing is sort of the mindset of every entrepreneur ever. Right. Where where if you have the opportunity to bet on yourself, you should take it. Like you should almost always take it Yeah. in the opportunity that you're describing. I mean, this is your life where you can make your own way or, you know, you could basically get on that, that ceaseless march to death. Yeah being plenty safe staying within you know the certain parameters but it's like no you know what to hell with it i'm gonna jump and you jumped and that's great
0: yeah and that's what it took you know i mean i was like kind of djing a little bit here and there when i was dispatching and doing some stuff on the side and stuff like that and it's like i mean just a little bit mostly on the radio station but um i had to get out of that first yeah it was like first things first
1: yeah no it I, I recognize that completely because I started this podcast when I worked my corporate job and I mean, it was killing me. Like I couldn't, yeah. I was doing neither job well. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? I do. And so it's like, I, I was working my corporate job, but my mind was on this. And when I was working on the podcast, I felt bad because I wasn't like, paying attention to the job that actually paid me money. right? And so I was really neither fish nor fowl at that point. So it wasn't until I made that clean break and to where I integrated this into part of my business plan to where I could actually dedicate time and resources to it. And it's grown as a result of that. Yeah. So, I mean, that's exactly what you're describing to me in terms of jumping into the DJ world.
0: Most definitely. Yeah.
1: That's great. So how long did that transition take? I'm, um, you know, how, how was it going From this, I'd call it nine to five, but you know what I mean? Sure. Um, From this 8 p.m. to 6 a.m. world to, you know, this, this sort of new, what I think your old coworkers might call more bohemian lifestyle. Yeah. You know what I mean?
0: Well, it felt – so the transition um, overlapped a little bit. I discovered KGNU, which, of course, is community radio for people who don't know, and went and did a volunteer. Great. Yeah, they've been around for, like, over 30 years, and they're amazing. But I went and did a volunteer orientation and then started working with a guy to put together a mixtape of sorts to submit to the music director to become an on-air DJ. Nice. And um, so I was kind of going back and forth a little bit. Um, between KGNU and dispatching, which worked out because at first from KGNU, I was on from midnight until 3 a.m. <laughs> nice. That was like my first slot on that station. And I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> I'm on the radio. Everybody, you know, and, um. And, I mean, again, they record all of that stuff for their listeners to download or stream later. Sure. So I went back and, like, listened to it and then sent that link out to all these people. I was so excited the first time I ever had my own radio show. I sat around and edited songs for content for, like, two weeks beforehand just editing so all awesome. of this stuff. And just so I could play that stuff that no one else was going to play. That was so my like, whole wh- goal.
1: Uh, so, like, what were you playing?
0: Um, I was playing... I was trying to keep it eclectic, but back then I was playing like a lot more hip hop, electro music, um, abstract stuff. I sure. mean, that's the home for abstract radio. <laughs> yeah. Um, if you want to get into it. I mean, now on my daytime show, I play stuff that's more oriented towards the daytime you know okay or just all over the board you know but back then it was like midnight to three i was playing heavy weird stuff so just anything you know sure just stuff that i thought was cool that i wanted other people to hear
1: so like your daytime stuff you mentioned the yeah yeah Mm yeah who else could you expect to hear on your daytime show oh
0: my god probably a bunch of bands you've never heard of great i say that actually um Hopefully, not coming off in a pompous way, but right. You're not trying to assert some dumb hipster credibility, right? Yeah, definitely not. But I, but that's my dream. Is I mean, I download stuff off of SoundCloud that came out a week ago, and then I go and I play it on the radio because it's non commercial, non profit radio. I have the right to play whatever. Sure. And, and, and plus, I don't think any person would ever be upset that you downloaded their free download off of SoundCloud and then played it on the radio for them. No, I think they'd be
1: amped about that. Yeah.
0: And, um, and so, I mean, I I go back to some of my old favorites. You know, the Yeah Yeah Yeahs. They have a ton of albums with a ton of great songs on every album. Faithless is another one that I'm super into, and Faithless has multiple albums with tons of different stuff right um, another artist who and I like to build sets so I'll have like a country set an alternative set a sort of funk set a female soul singer set I mean I get deep with it sometimes Nice. and sometimes my set names make sense only to me
1: <laughs> but
0: <laughs> I mean there are certain artists out there like you know Buck 65 some of his songs could fit into a country set some of his songs could fit into a hip-hop set right um, and then I just curate specific songs to fit in different sets. And so, you know, maybe even some songs that from artists, you know, but songs maybe you don't know. Yeah. I, I just do the best I can to dig as deep as I can and be as fresh as I can. I mean, sometimes when I go back and listen to my old shows, it's like, oh, this song's popular now. <laughs> you know what I mean? And <laughs> yeah. I'm like, but I what, but I downloaded it fresh off SoundCloud when, and then now it's this big, huge song. And do you have an example of that? Um, yeah. Like, um, disclosure. Um, what is the name of that song? It's the one that has Sam Smith on it. It's like their most popular song and I'm blanking on it right now.
1: Right. I, I am in a, I'm in a pop culture vortex because I have two children under two. Yeah. So <laughs> right. I, I'm, I'm not going to be able to help you pull this, but
0: yeah. Um, how oh, I know what it is too, but I'm just like, but I mean, that was a song that I played on KGNU f- some at midnight one time and then it turned into this other huge song. Yeah, I mean, Lord hard. Royals. That was a song I played yeah. on KGNU months before I ever heard it anywhere else. And that song became huge.
1: Yeah, that song was massive. You
0: know, um, even a song um, that became really, really big recently, it, which is a song that I thought was kind of dirty and I almost didn't play on KGNU because I thought it was kind of touchy. Mm-hmm. But um, that Tove Lo song, um, oh, yeah. and, you know, and it's like... She's talking about like basically... Going to sex clubs, picking up dudes at the playground, puking, drinking, partying, staying high all the time. Right. And I and when I went to go play that on KGNU, I was like, uh, you know, uh, (laughs) this is a little out there. And then next thing you know, that song is like on T V (laughs) Right.
1: Yeah, next thing you know, that song it will be used to sell cars. Yeah. But Uh,
0: I found that song, I stumbled upon it just like through some weird foreign blog, you know. I mean, it's like I I pull music from all kinds of weird places, and it sometimes it shocks me what gets big and what doesn't. Well, of
1: course, but I mean, what you're describing to me also is you're you're not just a music freak; you're a music super freak. Right? Oh yeah. I mean, digging in bins, and this is on your website too. Yeah. Like just crate hunting, right? Yeah,
0: that's my job.
1: And just well, as a DJ, I'm certain, but as part of your philosophy, one of the things I was struck by was. Pulling stuff that people know, you know, like old favorites, because that will get people out and move. Because mm-hmm. people love what they already know.
0: That you totally. I've said that so many times. Yeah. It
1: and it's amazing with this show. I find the episodes that get downloaded most people are most interested in that which they're that which they're already familiar. Yeah. And you go, God, that's so weird because this show is designed. To explore stuff that you wouldn't know about that, you know, let's dig into as many possible careers as you could. So that's that's where the screw turns for me but I'm guilty of that in other formats too yeah. you know like books that I read've re- I, I grew up loving just professional wrestling, so I will read the same stories over and over again <laughs> yeah. so so I mean we're all guilty of that in some
0: that's actually really true
1: I mean y- you, you can't help yourself you You're love right. what you love and if someone will give you just even uh, another little sliver of info about it, mm-hmm. you go, oh man that's fantastic and you fill in the picture a little bit more yeah. in your brain but That's only half of your philosophy. You get people out there and then you intermix that with stuff that they might not know, which to me is such a cool way of curating a musical sound.
0: Thank you. I I have a little bit of an old school mentality in that way because... Back in the day, (laughs) you know, DJs were the tastemakers. They were the people who introduced you to a new song. And if you had the best records, you were the best DJ. (laughs) Right? You know what I mean. Whereas, like today, theoretically, we all have access to the same music. And people shazam my stuff all night long. And and if that was another DJ, he could go home and replicate my set. If. If I wasn't pulling stuff off of SoundCloud, if I wasn't pulling stuff out of weird old record crates, um, if I wasn't playing stuff by people that I know or people that I discovered, I mean, it's like I actually love it when people try to Shazam something and can't. (laughs) I secretly love that. And I'll tell you exactly what it is. Uh, I'm not a, a music hoarder. In fact, sharing it is the reason why I do that, because I like to slip in something, you know, in between and make your little favorite song sandwich, you know, it's like, here's your favorite song. Here's my favorite song or my favorite song that I've selected for you. Yeah. And then here's another one of your favorite songs. And then usually towards the end of the night, I get into a, a rhythm of where I'm playing just my stuff. You yeah. know what I mean? And then but they just they they trust you after a while.
1: That's so cool like that you embrace your role as tastemaker. Because that that is that is something that is so lacking now with everything uh, so automated. Oh know, my
0: god, yes. Like
1: I I have Pandora and I listen to it, yeah. but Pandora feeds me a never-ending stream of stuff I already like. Yeah. Oh yeah. And that there's there's value in that from time to time, but I like to get pushed, you know. I I, I love to go into the video store, and Quentin Tarantino talks about this, where it's like, oh, you uh, you like this movie? Well, maybe you should check out this old John Ford western. Yeah. And people are like, why would I like this? It's like, just watch it. Just trust me. There's a thread in here. Yeah. That you're missing that you will love.
0: You. So this segues really nicely. Um, I'm gonna start doing this. There's a new music. Streaming app that's coming out and um, it's called conduit and it's going to be coming out in the next few months, but I'm one of the curators for it. And the thing that's so great wow. about this app is that um, it's 100% human based content. No algorithms, just actual human based thoughtful programming wow. because some people actually it 's like, "Hey, if you like this, you might like this it's just like that other thing you like, so you'll probably like this well it's like, what if I want to find out about some stuff that's not just like all the stuff that I already like? yeah, maybe i want to maybe I want to get out there a little bit, and maybe i didn't even know that, you know, and so I mean, this is something that is hopefully going to become a trend. You know, I'm lucky to be one of the curators for that and I can't wait to start curating playlists for it because Yeah. You know, it's 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 everybody's complaint. Like, yeah, Pandora's great until it but it keeps feeding you the same stuff. Yeah. Over and over and over and over again. And everybody knows it. You know, I do want for a time when DJs are taste makers. Right. Um, and I know tons of guys who are, but usually when you go out you see hit players.
1: Mm, People okay. who
0: are not trend setting, they're hit playing. They're playing all the hits. They're going on their DJ download whatever website right. and being like, "These are the top ten songs. Great. Uh, these are the top ten songs." And here's the thing: if one of those top ten songs rules, I'll totally play it. <laughs> sure, but if it sucks, I won't. Yeah, and it should be that simple.
1: So you're not just pandering, is no. is what you're saying? And is it fair to say that there are a lot of DJs out there that are just plain old pandering?
0: Yes, I, I'm afraid so. And 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 also people who want to maybe don't even care that much about music, but they just want to be stars, or they're <laughs> right. interested in the technological aspect of um, DJing. Yeah, you know, like they like the technology, they think it's fun, they think it's interesting, but the music they don't care so much about. Mm. And some people don't understand like why I should play. They're just like, Hey, play my song. Hello, <laughs> idiot. Play my song. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're, I know. I get it. But here's the thing. Like I listened to a hundred shitty songs today for you so that I could bring you this song. That's Amazing, like my job. I'm like a personal shopper for music, like okay. you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, I get and, you. and and like most people don't have the time or energy or know how or connections or whatever or it is interest. or interest to do that, right? And so it's like you know, um, they'll just take whatever it is that they're being fed. I mean, obviously, most of the radio stations in this country are owned by a handful of little corporations and they control it all. Sure. They control what we're listening to and what we think is cool. And what, I mean, one thing that I have realized is that most people, if you catch them on the right night, they will like good music if it's available for them. Hmm. Because, um, so I have done silent disco a few times and silent disco is this weird phenomenon because I'm DJing on one channel and then on one channel they're playing top 40 and then on another channel they're playing like classic rock or stuff that just people love.
1: Okay. Before, before you get into this, yeah, explain, I, and I know what this is, but we're in an audio format. Explain what silent disco is.
0: Silent disco is a dance party that happens. In the headphones. Okay. So basically I'm DJing and transmitting to the headphones that you're wearing. And some of the benefits of this are you can have a dance party or a party in a quiet place. Right. Or you can have a party that goes really, really late without disturbing. Uh, I've DJed one where it was a wedding and half of the people... Did not speak English. Oh, wow. And so there was like Latin dance music on one channel, and then <laughs> right? I was DJing like traditional, you know, wedding music on the other channel.
1: But if, if you're the outside looking in, if you're not wearing headphones, it looks insane, It right? looks totally insane. Because it's quiet, right? It's just like silent. But these people are moving and partying and grooving, right? Yeah,
0: and you hear just like little mumbles coming out of their mouths, you know, like they're singing along kind of poorly or right. um you know, and they're just like yeah, like kind of mumbling along. It's or, really or like funny actually.
1: They'll get to a point in a song that like just blows their mind, yes. And like, yes Like right?
0: Yeah, it's hilarious. Or, you know, songs that everybody knows and it's just like a really off key choir for, you know. Um <laughs> Cause I always take my headphones off to rest my ears, like every now and then. Yeah, of course. Get to hear. But yeah, so I've done silent disco before. And, um, and it's like, I'm DJing all this awesome stuff, in my opinion, which, you know, I've seen it work. You right. know, I've DJed plenty of dance parties where people lost their minds. I know that I know how to DJ. Yeah, and you know I know doing. what I'm doing, you know, but it's like, I cannot pull people away from that. God damn top 40 station because how can I compete? You know, if you're, if, if love shack is an option, you're probably going to go with it. That's why every wedding
1: reception you ever go to is the exact same.
0: Absolutely. And I, yeah. And I mean, exactly. I mean, if you're, if they're playing, you know, Pharrell's happy on that station, nobody, you know, it's just so, and I love the B 52s and I love Pharrell. But it's really hard when it's when it's an option, when songs that people know is an option, they will almost always choose it, except for those little special people in there who are dying to hear something that they don't know. But I've also done silent disco where I was the only DJ who was DJing. And I played stuff that I thought was cool intermingled with stuff that I thought people would know or like, Mm -hmm. and, and they lost it. I mean, they were like stomping on the floor so loud. And so it's like, I know that it's not me, you know, it's just hard to get people away from what they're already comfortable with especially when they're with their friends you know there's something special about wanting to sing along with your friend or you know whatever or or not
1: looking foolish you know because like looking foolish there's the whole uh, almost like pride angle to this and i i would say my my main experience with this is probably through like craft beer because it can look really impenetrable, right? If you're droning on and on about an imperial Russian stout <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: or, you know, a, uh, you know, some obscure rye saison or some shit, you know, some yeah. style that no one's ever heard of. They're like, I spend most of my life drinking, you know, Coors Light or yeah. something. It's when you have almost like a guide and someone's saying to you like, okay, here's what this is like. Here's what this is yeah. like. Here are the qualities. Here's like, here's something happening in the music or in the beer that you may not have experienced. I was with my friend once and I go, oh, this stuff's really chocolatey. And he goes, oh, I'm not getting the chocolate. And I go, okay, try this. After you swallow it, press your tongue to the roof of your mouth mm-hmm. and breathe that through your nose. Yeah. And he goes, okay. So he did that and he goes, oh yeah, there's the chocolate. And I'm like, that's like, that's how you do it. And then he was more into it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, and so, yeah. I mean, what you're describing is having someone who you can trust almost guide you through this stuff because, Hearing new stuff, if you're not like a musical person, mm-hmm. you go, I don't know what I'm supposed to get out of this. Right. And if you can take, as a DJ, something that someone knows and then link it to something they don't know, go, they go, oh, okay, that makes sense. Exactly. I get that. And so, I mean, you're helping them get over that, that almost like self-censoring pride element that that is tough to overcome.
0: It is. And, um, I, when I first started doing KGNU, I was like, Oh, I have to like write all my songs out for like everyone to know. Like I spent hours digging for these songs. <laughs> God damn it. You know what I mean? Right. And so at first I like had to like check myself a little bit and be like, Well, if I'm not doing this for that, what am I doing it for? Yeah. Am I doing it so that I seem really cool? Well, guess what? DJing from midnight to three on community radio in some people's <laughs> book is not that cool. So why am I really doing this? And I finally just was like, you know what? I want to share music. I want to highlight music. I want underrepresented music to get a chance. Sure. Uh, I like to use remixes and covers a lot and they are helpful to me in bridging gaps Yeah. because it's like, oh, here's something, you know, and, and, and I'm careful too, because people really, you have to be careful with those remixes because people really hate if the words get cut off (laughs) and they're singing along and then it goes back to that looking foolish thing. So you have to be careful. But that's what a professional DJ should know, that people are going to feel like they got blue balled <laughs> if you cut off the core, the part of the chorus that right. they know and love. You that's know, you have to let it ride in a way that they recognize in order to let it lead to somewhere that they've never been. Right. You know?
1: and, and And to your point, you're taking all this time to curate this really awesome playlist. It's going to take a lot of work for someone to recreate that. If you're going to all these different places to find this, Mm -hmm. that is a prohibitive amount of work for someone just looking to enjoy music. Exactly. And so, I mean, this is something that, I mean, this is one of the the key tenets of marketing. I mean, this is Marketing 101. When you do a promotion where you offer free stuff to people, but you make them like put it in an envelope and mail it in, that's like too much work for roughly 75% of the population.
0: Oh, Yeah. So, it's, yeah, that's that sounds pretty accurate. <laughs> so I
1: mean, if you're saying, you know, if you're saying to someone, it's like, well, here's my entire playlist, but there's, you know, it's not going to be just easy to track down. You can't just have it here, you know, appear in exactly. your Spotify, right? You know, most people are going to go, man, that was really fun to listen to. I'm going to let you keep curating this, yeah. and there's no way I'm ever going to be able to replicate that effort.
0: And I and I would be okay if that was my place in this world yeah if my if the, if that was my life was just to go through music so that other people don't have to and i mean obviously not everybody's gonna have the same taste as me either but sure. i mean i'm i have as good of a shot as anybody of picking out a bunch of really great music oh sure um, you know and I, I i would be okay if that was my <laughs> um, place in this world if i was like hey you know what dudes don't worry about it. Like, you, you know, I I probably need I'm something looking out for, you. for you to do. Yeah. Um, It's really <laughs> funny because I went to this music festival and it kind of sucked, but um, it also, there's yoga there too. And I was like thinking, I went and watched the electronic stage at this music festival for a really long time. And I was just like really disappointed, but not in a way that, made me feel depressed in a way that made me feel inspired. And so I was like laying in my tent and I was so pumped. I was like, this music sucks, man. Like, but I'm like one of the people who has the power to do something about this. Yeah. And I know that it sucks and I'm going to try to like make, stuff that's better and make it better and do something about it. And I was like laying in my tent and I was really excited about it and I could hear these other girls, you know, um, in the tent over talking about the yoga portion of the festival. And they're like, Man, like this yoga sucks. Like they don't even know that this is like mainstream. People don't even know. And I'm yeah. like, oh, that's so funny. They're over there like having that conversation about their thing. Yeah. You know, and they're like, this is people think that you know, core power is like the end all, be all. They don't even understand the spiritual aspect of it. And I'm in my tent, like I know, yeah. except with music. Like, yeah, you know, totally. so it's like, or like you said, you know, I mean, even I, when I went to go listen to your podcast, what's the first thing I download? Taylor and Kevin from These Things Matter. Yeah, you know course. what I mean? And I actually did listen to one of your podcasts from someone I didn't know. Cool, but. Not, I didn't do it first. Uh, No, of course not. So it's like, we're all sort of guilty of the same thing. And how do you get around that? One thing that I've realized is that I'm not for everybody. And that's another thing. That's That's important
1: too. If, I mean, you cannot be for everyone.
0: You you won't, you will never be.
1: No. And and the sooner you accept that, the better off you will be. Okay. Something else I wanted to talk about. Yeah. Listening to this electronic stage at whatever fest you were at. (laughs) And, you know, we're not going to, we're not going to slag them in public in this way, but- one of the things that I read, and it was either Bree's article or it's it's on your website, people are surprised that you are a DJ and a woman.
0: Yeah, that, what yeah. is that? That actually never ceases to surprise me. And uh, usually after people meet me, I don't know what it is. I mean, I don't ever really face blatant sexism. Like really like overt, like, like frying yeah, pan of the face sexism? Right. Yes, okay. exactly. Right. It's sort of like this... Um, and 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 I should also mention that a lot of people love and accept me for that for the okay. same reason. But you do get this sort of like almost unspoken, just really deeply ingrained culturally, whatever you know thing where they're just like, it's unusual is all. Okay. You know what I mean? And so they're just like, hmm. <laughs> girl, huh? Wow.
1: wow. <laughs> uh, girl DJ, huh? How novel.
0: Yeah. Right. But then, and usually after people see me, I mean, it's like tons of DJs suck. You know what <laughs> I mean? Guy DJs and girl DJs. Sure. And it's like, You know, um, I have this book and it's called how to, what is it called? How to DJ write. And it sounds like the cheesiest, dumbest book that you would never admit to reading, but it's written by these really brilliant authors. And in this chapter, you know, all the chapters are titled like how to find music, how to read a crowd, how to hook up your equipment, how to buy records, all this different stuff. And there is a chapter in that book called how to be a girl. (laughs) <laughs> and it's like really way far towards the end, and it's really only like a couple pages long. But one of the things he says in there is expect to be patronized, okay. show up, and be great. And then the girl, hopefully, who comes after you will have less of a problem with it, or the next time you go back. And so that's what I do. I expect that's to be good. patronized. I realize that it's part of an unconscious thing that happens in our culture. And every time I show up and kick ass, I do away with a little bit of that. Yeah,
1: you kick down a little bit of of the cultural horse shit that that we've dealt with for for so long.
0: And most people mean well, and they don't even realize, or they don't mean to. It's like faces you to... Look at your own beliefs. You know what I mean? Right. It's the same thing with like female comics. Like for the longest time, people used to just be like, oh, I just God. don't like female comics. I just don't. I just don't and think like, women are funny. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was, a, it was just a thing. And now it's like, I could sit here and name 10 female comics in Denver that are hilarious. Oh yeah. You know what I mean? Um,
1: 100%. Yeah.
0: And, 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 you know, we're lucky in that way in Denver. Okay. Yeah. But also <laughs> there's tons of funny female comics out there. There's tons of kick ass female DJs and it's just going to take time. Right. That's all you know we just have to keep doing it and keep doing it until girls are looking back, going, "Whoa, that you used to not be able to you know what I mean, yeah
1: yeah, exactly, yeah, and it's it's really like it's really just sort of it's not one thing at a time, but progress is much slower than you think it is, you know so like true. it's it's less than a hundred years ago. That women were not allowed to vote.
0: I know. Doesn't that blow your mind? It does. Or own property. All this right. stuff. I think that sometimes when I walk out of my house in the morning. Wow. Do I live, you really? Yeah, I do. I live in a day and age where I can leave my house without a male attendant. Right. I can own my own property. I drive around and do whatever I want. I don't have to have children. I'm not even expected to and that's fairly new to like my generation yeah that's good you know what i mean
1: yeah i mean my wife doesn't have my last name
0: exactly yeah
1: she said you know she's like i'm the last one in my family this is important to me i'm like look I'm not going to ask you to do something that I'm not going to do myself. Right. I'm not changing my name. Right. Don't change yours. I don't care if you change it or not.
0: Good for both of you guys. Um, That's great.
1: And it it's so weird because you say that and I thank you and I appreciate it, but it feels like a weird thing to get credit for, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. You know what it I does. mean? Like when people say you're you're a successful female DJ, you're like, well, yeah. Like I'm a, <laughs> I'm a successful DJ. Okay. I know. But I, and it's like you want to thank people for that, but it's also almost like. Oddly annoying, right?
0: Yes, it is. And you know, I have this like internal struggle every time I use um one of my most popular hashtags, hashtag female DJ. Okay. And it's like, damn it, dude. <laughs> you know, it's one of my most popular yeah. hashtags. People find me through it. Other female DJs find me through it, and then we band together. So it's been a good thing. But there is that thing of just I, I want to just be a DJ or a whatever, you know, but, um, but
1: you're almost co-opting it, you know, like, like you're taking yeah. that and and you're turning it into, you know, something that, that I don't know, kicks down the goddamn doors for the I, people who, who are a little bit further behind. Right.
0: I hope so. I really do. I really hope so. And like I said, I have found a bunch of other, I know that um I'm not the only one now because right. of this silly, stupid hashtag that I have, at times struggled to use because I want to just put hashtag turntablist, hashtag Denver DJ, hashtag Aaron stereo, whatever. But it's like this hashtag female DJ. You know what? Fuck it. You know, I want to meet a bunch of other cool female DJs. If you're into female DJs, then you should come find me. Yeah. And eventually, hopefully it'll just be so flooded or so evened out with men to women that it won't seem like like a thing that you have to mention or maybe like female. You know, I'm trying to think of something that's, you know, equivalent to it, but it's kind of hard to think of something.
1: Well, I I think of because I got my master's degree in communication. I think of almost the way that the LGBT community co-opted the word queer. Yeah. And and renamed it into something that was more that that was like empowering, yeah. you know. And like queer theory yeah. uh, is is a field of academic study that, you know, is really robust now, but whereas queer before had sort of a, a negative connotation. Oh yeah. But now, you know, you hear that and I I think they've done a good job of reappropriating the name. And so what you're describing is, you know, let's take female DJ and let's, you know, let's turn it into something else. And, you know, let's let's use it as, you know, some form of empowerment or or some form of breaking down barriers.
0: Yeah. And I think that that is kind of what we're doing, because the same. I mean, it's it's this happens in every industry that's male dominated, I think. Um, Which at
1: one point in history or another. Is everything, right? It's every industry.
0: Like that free BMX competition that happened downtown last weekend. Okay. It's like the female BMXers. (laughs) And it's like, man, you know what? I'm actually glad that we're identifying it because you know what? I want to go support it. Sure. You know, and it's like, hey, sorry, dudes. You don't get to say, Male BMX, like, it's, it's like, you know, it's just like how we say man. It, it stands for everything, (laughs) you know, mankind. It's, it's all of us technically, you know, unless you're specifying female.
1: (laughs) Right. Or, or instead of y'all, you know, it's you guys.
0: You guys. Yeah. You know,
1: that's, that's kind of a strange thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and when you, like, when you get down to the core of the language about it, you go, yeah, that is kind of weird that we do that. But, you know, it's one of those things that's hard to unbundle. When you talk about a female BMX competition, it's almost like before we can, you know, before the distinction is irrelevant, you need to call it out and spotlight it. That's right. And elevate it. Mm-hmm. And then almost from there, you start flattening things out. Yeah, which, I think
0: that that's exactly right. I really do. So I, yeah. Bringing it up to kind of the same level.
1: Turning it on its head a little bit. Is there anything about being a female DJ that gives you advantages over, you know, what has traditionally been a male-dominated field.
0: Well, yeah, probably um, just the the rarity of it. I mean, the rarity right. of it alone, um, or the I hesitate to say novelty, but just it's it's sort of unusual, is all. Right. And um, and uh, also, I'm a turntablist. and so I'm not only a girl; I'm showing up with turntables most right. of the time, and so it's just kind of like. I'm a little bit of a spectacle when I show up places sometimes because right. I'm like lugging in my gear and it's heavy as hell and it's like takes three trips and they're just like, Is this chick's DJing here tonight, obviously, like, yeah. you know? Um, <laughs> but so, I mean, so I'm, I'm visible because um, I'm unusual yeah. in in the eyes of most people or, or rare in some way, you know? And that's also the reason why it's important for me to be good. Yeah. At what I do because I don't want to be visible and have this shot and then suck and then yeah. you know and then <laughs> right. hopefully you know I don't want to confirm in anybody's mind whatever bias they have or whatever right. bullshit reason they have for not liking females yeah whatever pre-existing
1: stereotypes exist yeah you
0: know I mean um I I hope that I break that if anything Rather than reinforce it. I mean, I don't, if I show up and I'm like weak as hell, it's kind of hard to be like, Hey man, like, give me a chance. Yeah, totally. You have to be a good DJ no matter what, you know, guy, girl, as long as you just, you have to be good in this industry. It
1: reminds me of, and I'm not proud of the source of this story, but back in college, there was this like Maxim how to Mm -hmm. like in Maxim magazine that was like how to, how to be successful as a band. And it said, number one, don't suck.
0: Yeah, that's great advice. Well, Number two, have a van.
1: (laughs) And I mean, that seems obvious, but I I don't, I think a lot of people skip that step. It's like, you know, it's like, well, I want to do this, so I should do this, and people should pay me to do this. And it's like, well, first, no, you got to not suck. Yeah. And that's huge. And what's funny is shortly before we, uh, he's friendly, by the way.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm I'm more comfortable suddenly. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs)
1: Shortly before we were on, I was doing some work, just, I was doing some client work and I threw on some of your mixes. Oh, awesome. Just from, like, from your site. That
0: delights me. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And normally, like, house music Mm -hmm. is, is not generally my bag, but your stuff was awesome and it was propulsive.
0: Oh, thank you. Like,
1: it was, it was great for getting work done because when there's not, you know, When there's not words, Mm -hmm. like I, I do a lot of writing in my job and so I need stuff that's not words. So I end up listening to a lot of like trance Uh uh and that type of thing on the Pandora station. I think I have one that's ambient. Yeah. Um, but normally I don't go house. I listen to it and I go, man, I am, I am banging out to to do's right now. That's awesome. And the thing that was so cool was, and this is really helpful to understanding your work as a turntablist, is you have videos. Yes. And watching you go, man, it's it's like it's like watching I don't know, ninjas or chefs mm-hmm. or you know what I mean? Yeah, like because you. you are moving.
0: There's always something to do, and that's one of the reasons why I like it. I really appreciate you saying that. And
1: you have panache when you do it too. Thanks. Is the other thing. You know, and I I'm sh- I, I don't know how much of that is intentional or how much is just you getting into the moment? But watching the videos, the videos, you're like, man, this, she is moving and she is cooking.
0: Oh, thank you. You know, I um, do that on purpose because I know that it's a little bit like, oh, a mixtape. You made it on the computer and you put it out on the internet. Yeah. Who hasn't (laughs) done that? You know, but for me, it's like, oh, I'm I'm doing this in a, I'm in a slightly different way. I'm approaching it in a different way. And actually that video um, has helped speak for me in my absence many times because oh, sure, yeah. people can look at it and they see oh okay I, she pushed that button and then this sound made that and she spun the record backwards and it made this sound and you know they then they start to understand the art of turntablism it's like you said the more you understand something the more interesting it is oh, yeah. i mean i um i try to show my hands at work yeah. um in my videos as much as i can because you really start to understand the mechanics of what it means to be a DJ, even before I was a DJ, I didn't really know what it meant to be a DJ. Right. I didn't have any like basis for that. And so it has been a good response that I've gotten from that video, from those videos. and And I'm really glad that you liked the mixtapes too. Yeah. House music is my true love. That's what <laughs> I really, really, really love. You know, I try, I, I try to be picky with my mixes, you know, I, I, I know people it. who put, I know people who are prolific and put out tons of mixes and tons of music and tons of stuff. And, um, I know a couple of guys who put out a lot of stuff and it's all good, but I've <laughs> always been kind of like a more of a, I, I tend to work on my projects for probably longer than quality over quantity. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. I just work and work and work on the same project for the longest time. <laughs>
1: Well, I'll tell you what—believe it or not—we're actually at time. I could talk music with you all day.
0: I know, me too. <laughs>
1: but, uh, but we do need to wrap up. So, this is the point in the show where uh, we do shameless plugs. Oh. No, that's that's these things matter. They call them shameless plugs. Your your shirt was throwing me off. I know. But we do uh, <laughs> we do plugs on this show. Plug anything you want. Where can we find DJ Aaron Stereo?
0: Oh, great. Well, I'm on all obviously all of the social medias at slash Aaron Stereo, and that includes my SoundCloud and my MixCloud. Um, Facebook, Instagram, everything, Aaron Stereo. Um, Also, like I said before, I'm on First Friday every um, month from 12 to 3 on KGNU. Nice. And that can be listened to worldwide at afterfm.com.
1: Oh, cool. And
0: um, not just my show, any show that's on KGNU. So people who are into blues, bluegrass, reggae, hip-hop, they have the longest-running hip-hop radio station in the world on KGNU. Um, So that can all be found at afterfm.com. Uh, My shows are at slash Aaron Stereo. And then I guess lastly, I felt like there was one other thing. Conduit, I mentioned that. The music streaming app. I'll update on that. I don't know what's going on with that. But yeah, all those places. I'm going to start throwing my own kind of like warehouse house music dance parties. Um, The first one's going to be on November 12th. So probably just stick with me through my social media if you can. I want to stay up with everybody.
1: Yeah, you bet. What I'll do is uh, I'll link to all that on the companion blog piece on johnofalltrades.us. Yes. So uh, check it out there, Aaron. This was an enormous delight. uh, And thanks to Brie for hooking us up. Yes, again, Uh, thank you. Yeah, thanks for coming into my basement and continued success to you.
0: Likewise. Thanks again.
1: That wraps up episode 108 of the John of All Trades podcast. We'll bring this party to a close with DJ Aaron Stereo. Big thanks to her for being a part of my show. I adored this episode. For giving us insight not only into the music world and what it's like to be a woman in a male-dominated industry, but also the world of 911 dispatch. Holy crap, what incredible insight. Uh, and, and something that you know at some point we'll probably all call, but hopefully we don't have to. It's good to know someone like her is probably on the other end answering the phone. Let's give some love to our sponsor. That is Four Degrees, the number four, D-E-G-R-E. No matter what message you are trying to get out into the world, whether you are in marketing, whether you are in campaigns, whether you are trying to get eyeballs onto some project that you are doing, 4Degrees is the best firm for doing that in the social media space. That's right. Any social media platform, 4Degrees will tailor your message. They will get it in front of the people who need to see it most. They will do it in an incredibly cost-effective way. So visit them on the web. Number 4, D-E-G-R-E. E-S. The John of All Trades Podcast is a production of Deaf Communications. Check us out on the web. It's deftco us John of All Traits is on social media. Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, all under the handle J-O-H-Pod. Facebook is the only place you can find exclusive episode previews every Monday. Episodes drop on Wednesday, iTunes and Stitcher. So we'll be back next week with a fresh episode, another hookup from Bree Davies. And until then.
0: Take a night, crazy. That's good, Johnny.